Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me today. Tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, it's night here. I've got my feet kicked up by the fire and and we're just going to talk about some stuff here, shall we? So thanks for joining me. And I hope you like this podcast. I'm taking this subject from more than a few conversations that I've seen on our Scottish Clans Facebook group. You guys, there's some great discussions going on over there. And you have a quite the mix of people who are brand new to the subject, people who know some but think they know more, and people who, no kidding, have studied this subject and are well acquainted with the best sources on the subject, and they're all just hashing it out. And there's some disagreements, but then there's also some really cool, like, oh, I never knew that before. And a person saying this, and then somebody came in and said, like, actually, maybe check out these sources. It, it leaned, you know, there's some cool conversations. If you really want to take your knowledge of the Scottish clans to the next level, listen to this podcast and go check out the conversation in the Facebook group, Scottish clans. Um, I've also got a website no kidding. Um, I, I've been ignoring this feature for a long time, be, probably because I didn't know any better. But on my web host that I use for this podcast, Podbean, they offer a free website to the people who use that as their web host. So if you go over to scottishclans.podbean.com, and, and it's still a work in progress, but I do have some useful stuff on there for you. I do have, I'm developing my sources page. Um, uh, some people on Facebook has, have requested, hey, can you give us a list of your sources? And so that's the first thing I've gone to develop over there is like content curation. So go over to uh, scottishclans.podbean.com and... And check out my sources on there because I've so I'm I've hyperlinked everything. I've got a list of some of you might be familiar with archive.org, which is really cool. Not because you have to go over there and use kind of unwieldy website to go flip through old sources, but because you can just cut to the chase, download the PDF to your own computer, read it whether you've got connectivity or not. You can highlight stuff. Because you just open it up, this PDF file, you open it up in Adobe, and you can highlight it, you can add notes to it, you can really dig in and start studying this stuff on a, on a better level. So I've got a list of those sources. I've got some links to academia.edu, which is pretty cool. And, and you don't have to be a member of, a, it's not like EBSCOhost or JSTOR where you have to be a member of a university or pay some money. It's it's completely free. At least there's a free version of it, which is the one I use on academia.edu. And it's still, even the free version gives you access to a lot of scholarly work on there. You got Alex Wolf and David Brune. I think David Brune's on there. Alex Wolf for sure is on there. Um, Michael Newton. I've used his, I've referenced him a lot on this podcast. Uh, you can go on there and read a bunch of his stuff. Um, anyway, so I've got a section on there that links to e, uh, academia.edu sources, scholarly stuff. And then on on uh, below that, as you scroll down, I've got uh, these. Now, this is a, these are affiliate links. So you click on these links, and they'll take you to Amazon. And 
on Amazon, it takes you to um, where, you know, where you can buy these books. So these are things that you can't just download them to your computer. But so it'll take you through this to Amazon and you can get a hard copy of it. Cause I know, I know like even, and I've even duplicated some of these sources that you can download on a PDF from archive.org. But I know that some of you are old school and you just want to have a paper copy of it in your hand. So you'll go, so I've got links and a lot of these things, if they've been around for a long time, if these, if they're old sources, they're usually not that expensive on Amazon. But I've also included stuff that's more current. So instead of the old stuff that you get off of, of archive, I've got stuff that's written by more modern scholars, um, Kinship and Clientage by Allison Cathcart, Kingdom of the Isles by R. Andrew McDonald, which I just finished reading that a few weeks ago, um, Stephen Boardman's The Campbells, which I am still, I'm almost done with that one, and that one is awesome. I, I love that. Like it, it, yeah, it's about the Campbells, but in the meantime, you're getting information on all sorts of, cause they're all, you know, they're all interacting with each other. So you're learning in, in learning the history of the Campbells, which was Stephen Boardman's point. You're also learning about, and just for a few examples, the, the Drummond and Murray feud, cause that one's, I read that through that recently and where the Campbell stood in relation to that. You've got the, the Cunningham and Montgomery feud, and where the Campbell stood in relation to that, once again, that's the top of my head because it was I read that most recently. You got, but you, the Campbells interacted a lot with the McDonald Lordship of the Isles of, of the Isles, and so you're learning a ton about how that was playing out. I mean, it's I mean, you're learning it as much, almost as much as if you were like reading a book on the McDonalds, and by f for sure you're learning a lot more than just reading through a Wikipedia article. And I even like Wikipedia as long as you know what it's good for and what it's not good for. But, but I use the heck out of Wikipedia, but it's, it's so much better and you get the backstory anyway. So I've got links to stuff like that on scottishclans.podbean.com that can take you just right over to, to just cut to the chase. You can get there fast. Yeah. And they are affiliate links. So I do get a cut, but it doesn't cost you more. But anyway, just try that out, go over to the website and I'm going to be developing that, that more and more. And also Podbean is a way that you can give me feedback for how I'm doing. Anyway, this wasn't meant to be like an advertisement at the beginning of the podcast. I'm just saying um, I'm developing that. I wanted to let my listeners know. Because whether you go to the affiliate links for Amazon or just the Academia EDU or the archive stuff, it's just it really is links to good sources that are used a lot in this. In fact, if you do go to the Wikipedia pages and you go down to the bottom where the references are cited, it's this these are many of those works that you'll see cited over and over and over again. Oh, I'll also throw out another reference to you. If I had a nickel for every time a Wikipedia article or some Scottish clan website regurgitated what is in the Collins Scottish clan and family encyclopedia, I'd be a rich man and I would need it work probably because man, that is like the Holy Bible of clan history as far as this world is concerned. And if you want to know my thoughts on that work as a scholarly source, for learning about the clans, go back and study or go back and listen to my episodes at the very beginning of this podcast when I first started. It's one of the probably one of the first 10 episodes on I talk about sources. I talk about where you can find this stuff, and then in the next episode, I talk about what I think about them. 
So you can go back to that. But anyway, I'm trying to just hook you guys up. If you want to take your knowledge of this, if you want to go beyond the tiny little clan history on some jewelry website, then let then check out some of these sources. Now, when I say some jewelry website, I'm going to give you my sponsors here, and they are not some jewelry website. My sponsor is usakilts.com. They're not some jewelry website, although I do think they have jewelry on there. I've never bought jewelry from them. I've bought other things from them, and I really, without reservation, do recommend them as a source. If you want to wear things that tell the world that you're connected with Scotland somehow, usakilts.com is where you need to go. If you want to learn about wearing that stuff, because when I first got my kilt from them, very high quality, awesome customer service, I believe, because I've got me and my wife just recently looked at a picture of us going out on a date, and you know what? God bless her, but you're going to be, she's going out on a date with somebody who definitely does not blend in, and she does not have this passion for Scottish culture that I do, which is partly why I created this website, and I, her eyes glaze over when I started talking about it, not created this website, this podcast, so I can have somebody to nerd out with because she didn't want to hear it. Um, so she goes out on this date with me, and I'm wearing this kilt, and I'm looking at a picture recently of that, and I was like, eh, I wish I had gone to the USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions YouTube channel and I could have got squared away. In fact, I can think of the exact episode that would have got me steered in the right direction. And I haven't committed these same transgressions since then. But uh, yeah, go go check them out on YouTube, USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. Or if you're ready to buy something, go over to usakilts.com. So let's talk about the question. I've seen this, and I don't see it phrased as a question on the, the Scottish Clans Facebook group. I see it phrased as a as a doggone statement of fact that somehow people have got the idea that the clan system came out of Norman feudalism. And I'm just going to refute that right at the beginning of this episode. I don't believe that's true. And I'm not here to declare doctrine and like eternal truths. I'm just going to tell you, I've read a lot about this and I'm reading some pretty solid scholarly work on this. And I'm here to tell you, I am just not convinced of this. And I've and I wouldn't be talking about it on here if I just if it had been one comment and then I'd never seen it again. But I've seen it enough times that I wanted to address it. Now, in talking about this, I'm kind of piggybacking off the last episode. So in the last episode, I got into different uh, Gallic terms for the kin-based society. And so I went over words like canal the word clan itself, sliacht, uh, sheol, different different terms in there. And, and so in light of all of those words that the, the Highlanders, the Gaelic-speaking people, so I should include people in southwest Scotland where Gaelic was spoken right up into the 1600s. So let's not leave them out either. But Gaelic-speaking people had a very developed vocabulary for the kin-based society. And in my head, that is one evidence. Now, if it's just one evidence, I wouldn't probably make a whole podcast out of or podcast episode out of this. But that to me is an indication 
that this goes really, really deep into Gallic culture. So, and, and, and to, to, tag, to tag into that, go over to Ireland and look at their history. Long before there was even such a thing as a Norman or a Norman D, the Gales in Ireland had the, the, the Breton law is so developed and it just goes into all sorts of like this, this is not something like, ah, yeah, I think they're related. And so they do stuff together. This is, I mean, it was codified in their law. And so this, this kin-based culture goes back anciently. And we've talked before on this podcast about the cultural continuity, not just linguistic, but just how deep the cultural continuity is between the Gales in Ireland and the Gales in Scotland. Um, it is it is really profound. In fact, as I read Warriors of the Word by Michael Newton, which there is a link to that back on the, the website I was talking about earlier, um, that was something that just stuck out to me, made a very strong impression on me. He's like, wow, these they are, they're learning the same legends. They're speaking different versions of roughly the same language. I know that would diverge more and more as time went on, but um, what classical Gaelic was very similar both in Ireland and Scotland up until like the 1500s, I think. Um, I'm not trying to get too far into the weeds on linguistics because that's that's not what I was studying on this, but the, the point is that there's very strong cultural continuity and linguistic continuity between Ireland and Scotland. And the Kinbay society was super developed in Ireland, once again, long before there was any such a thing as Normandy or Normans. So I, I'm just not... That right there, like I could just stop right there and say just that alone, there's no way that the Normans, like there was zero kin-based society in Scotland. The Normans came in, here's feudalism, and all of a sudden you have now clans for the first time amongst these people. That 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 is so, so far-fetched to me. And guys, okay, so so that, anyway, I, I won't get off too much on a tan- tangent there, but there's that. So you have the linguistic depth of the Kinbay society. You have very clear records going very far back in Ireland on a Kinbay society. What about in Scotland? Do we have um, do we have evidence of Kinbay society in Scotland previous to the Normans coming in? For sure you do. You've got so pre-Vikings coming into Scotland. Just to keep it simple, you have the Gaelic-speaking kingdom of Dalriada, which was in the Southern Hebrides and Argyle. You have the Britons of Strathclyde, whose center, their their the throne of those of that kingdom was the Clyde Rock in the in the Clyde um, Firth. Firth, Firth, Firth of Forth, Firth. Yeah, the Clyde Firth. I get those Firth and Forth mixed up sometimes. Um, Anyway, so you have the Clyde Rock, the, the, the fortress there, and that's extended south. Extended north, I think that I've read like Clach na Breton, which means Stone of the Britons, is north of Loch Lomond, and it may have been a territorial marker, some people think. So it might have gone that far north and then cleared down and filled southwest Ireland. Once again, pre-Viking. So the Galgales have not sh- shown up there yet. And then southeast, you have the Angles, the southeast of what is now called Scotland, is you have the Angles of Northumbria, and then everywhere else is the Pits. 
in, in what is now Scotland. The Vikings come in and they change that and they, they control areas and they push the leading kindreds of other pe- people around a little bit. But that's kind of just for the sake of simplicity, that's what we got. All right, so back to evidences of kin-based society pre-Norman, well, or, or even pre-Viking, which is earlier. You have the kingdom of Dalriada in, once again, the, the southern Hebrides in Argyle. The, that kingdom, there was this concept of alternating kingship, and that this existed in Ireland as well, where one kin group would provide a king for a while, and then when he died, maybe you'd have another person from the same kin group, but, but also probably you'd have a rotation and another kin group would step in and provide the ruler. So this happened in Dalriada between Canale Lorn and Canale Navrine. Now, Canale is one of those... Gallic words that indicates a kin kin group. Okay, so we have these kin. We have Lorne. We have Navrine. We have others mentioned who did not occupy the throne of Dalriada, or Dalriada. I don't however you pronounce that as much. But you have. But but we know about them. The in Isla, the Isle of Isla, you have which would be later the center of the lordship of the Isles. But they have Canal Nongusa there, and then you also have Canal uh, Comgall. So Canal Lorne gives her name to a place in Scotland that still has that name, and Canal Comgall gives their name to the peninsula of Cowell in Argyll. All right, so here's Dalriada, way before the Normans, kin groups, and a developed vocabulary to describe these kin groups. Okay, so. What about, the, and here's something I've noticed as I've studied um, Ireland, especially, I think it's very interesting to compare and contrast the clans of Scotland versus the clans in Ireland. And actually, my, um, I was about to say my buddy, we've communicated via, via YouTube a little bit, but um, I'd like to get to know him better. And he's doing great things with his YouTube channel, but his YouTube channel is Clans and Dynasties. And his name is Mike. And he's got a cool video on the clans of Ireland and the clans of Scotland. And his, his content on that cha- channel, really his interest overlaps quite a lot with, with what we're doing on this podcast. And so if you like this content, go check him out on YouTube. And he's not, like, we don't have an arrangement to advertise for each other. But he's got some good stuff going on over there. So go check him out. Anyway, um, so that's, it's just interesting to me to, to compare and contrast but you have the the this kin-based group in Ireland, and their the names of their kindreds go back tend to go back farther, like Enail, which would, and that's not the same as O'Neill, but they're closely connected, and that's all I'm going to say on that because I'm going to get into the weeds on that. But um, their 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 kin group names go back a lot farther than the ones in Scotland. In Scotland. The names that we know most of the clans by, for instance, the Mackenzies or the McDonalds or the Campbells or any of these, they they most of those don't predate the Normans. A couple of exceptions that I can think of off the top of my head, we might have the McDuffs. The McDuffs, this one's pretty solid. The the McDuffs were probably, and I'm drawing from John Bannerman on this one. The McDuffs were probably closely connected or descend, descended at one point from the McAlpin dynasty. 
and were very closely then related to the, the monarchs of that dynasty and became the earls of Fife and became, aside from the actual rulers of Alaba, were the preeminent kindred. Um, not all of the earls or mares were equal, and the Macduffs were at the top of the list during the McAlpin dynasty, and maybe for a while afterwards. So that's an old name. That's the Macduff kindred predates the Normans. Another one, maybe, and this isn't, I'm not on as solid of ground. I don't have John Bannerman or anybody else to back me up as much on this. Um, you, might, you might be, a source you might want to go check out is R. Andrew McDonald's Outlaws of Medieval Scotland. Because he talks about all of the challenges to the Canmore dynasty. So if you're familiar with Macbeth, for those of you kind of new to the subject, so Malcolm the third king of Scotland, who had the nickname Kenmore, which can either be he just had a big head, maybe it was physically like looked disproportionate to his body, which is kind of weird to picture in my head, or maybe he thought a lot about himself, or it could mean great chief, because going back to Gallic terms for the clan system, they would use the term for head. So that was one of the ways they would designate in Gaelic a, a chief is um, Ken Kinnell. So we're seeing that name, that word Kinnell come again, uh, back again, So that meaning a kindred. So the head of the kindred, Ken Kinnell. And we see this with the Kennedys, ironically, or not ironically enough, but I think it's cool that we can go to southwest Scotland, which I mentioned before was Gaelic speaking, and we can see that term being used for the Kennedys and the head of that kindred in Gaelic. So they would use that term to, de to denote the, the head of the kindred. So Canmore, maybe like the great chief, maybe? I don't know. Just regurgitating some ideas I've seen thrown around out there. I don't have a, a strong opinion on it one way or the other. But the Canmore dynasty that comes from him, we see challenges to that. And going back to that concept of alternating kingship, right? Malcolm Canmore, he did not want to see Canale Lorne, who had established themselves up the Great Glen in the province of Murray. He didn't, he didn't want to be sharing stuff back and forth with them. And so a lot of their uprisings may be seen in the light of, hey, we should be, this should be going back and forth like it did back in old Dalriada. And what, what the heck? So we're going to make it happen. So, but it's painted by later historians as uprisings and insurrections and rebellions. And one of those was led by a kindred called Macheth, and it's spelled Mac and then H-E-T-H. -E and I'm not going to give a whole Gallic lesson here. I'm going to try to be concise. But I think that Heth is actually the name I, or what may have at one time been pronounced Ith, with a, with a little bit of a T-H on the end. And then so that's where we get the Heth, or Heth, or I don't know. I don't know how it all put together, but I think Macheth is actually Mackay. And as they lost these up, up, uprisings and rebellions or, or just, hey, it's our turn, fights, they lost. And so what do they do? They push north into where they would establish themselves, that Strathnaver country, which may have been under control of Harold Madison, who was the Earl of Caithness and who was also no friend to the Canmore kings. So that's my theory, okay? I'm just presenting it to you as my theory. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that this was the case, but I'm not so convinced that I won't listen to somebody else's arguments. So 
um, they so they they like you know what forget you guys we're pushing farther north and they establish themselves and so that's a, an example of a a kindred name that may predate the McDuffs for sure does maybe the the Mackays predates the Normans um, now you'll see it doesn't predate like my earlier examples in Ireland like way before there was ever Normans or the McKeths or the Mackays, were, their rebellions and insurrections, there were Normans in Scotland at the time. But they had not settled very much up that far north. And that's actually one reason why you do see Norman settlement up in the Murray area is because of these rebellions and insurrections and challenges to the Canmore dynasty from the Mormares or Earls or maybe in their own view, Kings of Murray, and so these Kenmore kings, they, they, their effort was to displace these unruly elements and establish people up there who would be loyal to them. So now you see people like the de Moravia family descended from Freskin, from which we get the Murrays and the Sutherlands. You see the Roses of Kilrock. You see the Innises, the Innis clan. You see the Cummins come out of this, established in the far north as a, as I need people up there that I can count on who are loyal and displace earlier kindreds up there who are not loyal. <clears throat> the same thing also happened in Galloway, and that's where you get the Bruces, the Balliols, and some of the other families from down in there is because we're trying, because the lords of Galloway were also kind of an unruly bunch for the king of, of Scots or the kings of Alaba. So a similar thing happens there. And with that, we are going to take this episode and break it in half because it went a lot longer than I thought it would. So here is the wrapping up this episode. I know it seems like we just stopped right in the middle of the conversation, but just to make it a little bit more digestible, that's how we're going to do it. So before I wrap this up, I'm going to give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. Go there if you have any desire to buy a kilt or anything associated with a kilt, any other type of Scottish traditional dress. And they've got some, they lean into other parts of the Celtic world as well. So, so try them out, usakilts.com. Um, they've got a, their, their material, their products are awesome. Their customer service is top notch. Um, they've got, they've got free shipping within the U S so go check them out, usakilts.com and also go over to their YouTube channel, USA kilts and Celtic traditions. And they've got a lot of cool content on there. A lot of, I've, I've actually spent a little bit of time perusing their, their, they've got, you can watch a long clip. That's, you know, the, the whole episode that they'll record all at once. You can just let it run or they've got it broken down into much smaller clips according to your interest. And so go check them out on that YouTube channel. It's awesome. And if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is you can send an email to me at Scott, the Scottish clans at gmail.com. Or you can go to, I'm trying to make, I'm leaning more and more into making a web page or a website, my, my landing site, my landing spot for people who want to interact with this, this podcast. So that's the Scottish, that, sorry, scottishclans.podbean.com is where that is. So go there. I'm, I've, I'm developing my sources page. I've got a lot of sources and links 
the sources, the way I've listed them is that you can just click on them and go to it. So whether it's a PDF or whether it's taking you to archive.org where you can just download the PDF there of a specific source, you can go to academia.edu where there's a lot of great material from scholars who are writing on this subject there. And if you like this podcast, you're going to like some of the material that you can find on that. And then also I've got just books that are either you can't find them, you can't just download it in a PDF, or for some of you old-fashioned folks like myself, you just like to have a hard copy of something in front of you, then you can just go to Amazon.com. I've got some affiliate links on that sources page too, but podbean.com or or scottishclans.podbean.com is a place where you can go and reach out to me, leave me a message. You can rate this at on Apple Podcasts. So there's a lot of different ways. And in that rating, you can, of course, it'll be a five-star, right? Of course, maybe. Anyway, um, leave me a rating, but also leave, leave me a written message on there. Leave me a review. So that's how it is. We're going to sp- split this up. So after you've listened to this and you've reached the end by now, go over to part two and pick up the conversation there. And until next time, Marshen Leven Drasta. 